Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Bug Eyes Rock Pop Rambles. Uh, this is episode 51, which is really old now, isn't it? Yeah. I would say we've got a birthday episode coming up. Um, but our year's birthday actually went when in was March. It? In March, yeah. I completely it forgot. Yeah. Uh, because I was just focusing on episode. We numbers. had a whole thing planned, didn't we? Didn't we we did. did. Never mind. We did. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have to do it for episode fifty-two. I put a shout out yes, on Twitter for suggestions of what we Very can good. do. I'd like you to feel like you're involved, but it's because I've got no ideas really. So uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I am your host Angela from the band Bug Eye, and this week I'm joined by Gracie Tukey's, hey. and we're actually face to face. We are. There's it's no very nice. No. Well, Lovely. a screen for notes, but yes, that's, that's, but that's it. it. No Zoom. Yeah, and we met up in a park and got pissed. Yeah, hey, well, you got pissed. Good. I got pissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I vaguely remember you coming back in a cab. Yeah, I dropped you home, and I did think the next day that was a like completely out of her way. I know, but why I did just, we share you, a cab? You were in no fit state <laughs> to get home by yourself, so I thought I might as well uh, drop her off. <laughs> good, I didn't try to cycle. Yeah, 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 that's true. Don't drink and cycle, or drive, or walk. Get Grace to take. Just don't home. drink. Yeah, just don't drink. <laughs> just don't get drunk, really. No, you were fine. It's yeah. all right. Yeah. I woke up the next day and it was, you know, that kind of thing of, oh god, oh, yeah. the fear. What I said, what did yeah, I do? Yeah, going through it all. Thankfully, it was just with like my bandmates, so that's all all right. <laughs> <laughs> because I've got plenty of blackmail stories for yeah. you. Oh. <laughs> um, anyway, so today's show, we haven't done one of these ones in ages because they tend to just be themed don't they although this is themed i suppose sort of lucy we're actually going to cover a couple of artists i'm going to be talking about dolly parton and who are you talking about grace i'm going to be talking about charlie pride ah well i don't really know anything about charlie no i didn't really until yeah i I didn't really know that much about dolly parton either no it's one of those you think you think, think you, you know, know, but you don't. And this will be where I'll, I'll talk about Dolly Parton. Everyone will go, yeah, we knew that, Angela. Yeah, that, that. But um, we also have new music for you. We've got uh, Maya Lacani. And who have you got, Grace? Um, Portobello Express. Yeah, who I think, I can't remember where we met them, whether it was on Instagram or Twitter or via, I, I don't know what. But yeah, we've been chatting online. And they've got um they've got some really really great great tracks and uh, Maya actually came from um Loud Women actually she saw oh, one really? of our posts about the podcast cool. and just a shout out if anyone wants to send some music and she did and it's nice. jolly good so that's great well should we actually start off with some new music let's go for it what do you do you want to play Portobello Express first do you want to play because we're gonna play two of their songs yes we are so the first one is called You Cry. <laughs>
was their latest release, which was out on the 29th of January this year. And apparently it's about men's unsatisfying love expectations. Really, really like that. That's yeah, got like um really cool detailed drumming, which I love in songs. So mm-hmm. a bit bit interesting the in the drum set. I keep trying to play them but very badly. Um but there's also loads of great vocal sections. Yeah. Yeah. That. They're lyrically they're quite interesting as well. Yeah. They? Yeah, they are. Just I just like all the the different there's even though I think like a kind of shoop shoop bit in there that I thought was quite cool mm-hmm. so yeah I just think they're really quite a creative band so I really like that one uh we will put links in the show notes so do check them out stream go and buy their music or some merchandise or something like that or just give them some love on social media they've got plenty of love on social media they're doing really well but um but yeah so we'll put all of the artist stuff in the show notes and watch out for a new playlist of all the bands we've featured so far nice. this year coming out very soon mm. when i get round to doing it basically <laughs> so should we start off with your story because i normally always go first. yeah let's let's go for it then so Char- charlie pride right so you said you were doing dolly parton so i decided mm-hmm. to go for the country singer theme okay so yeah i've never heard of him before but he he's actually brilliant well was brilliant dead now spoiler um <laughs> So he was an African-American country singer and, interestingly, a semi-professional baseball player. Really? Yeah, really interesting guy. So he was really good friends with Dolly Parton and they actually recorded a song together called God's Colouring Book. I think it was one of her songs. And then he he asked her if he could record it and she Mm. said, only if I could do it with you because she was like a huge fan of his, which I thought was really sweet. Um, so he was born in Sledge, Mississippi in 1934, and he was fourth of 11 children. And his parents um, were sharecroppers who cultivated cotton, basically. Okay. Um, and they lived in what, he, what Charlie uh, Pride describes as a shack, mm. where the children slept like three or four to a bed. Um, and he used to help his dad pick cotton out in the fields. Okay. Um, so when he was really, really young, his dad bought a radio that they used to listen to out in the fields. And that's where he realized that he was, he enjoyed singing and that he Mm. was really good at it. Um, yeah, he's got an amazing voice, like a really, yeah, like a baritone. Oh, it's really, it's really good. You should listen to him. Um, so yeah, so he saved his earnings from picking cotton and at 14, he bought his first guitar. That's just such dedication. Isn't it? It's so sweet. Yeah. Because I think he was really little when his dad got that radio, right? So mm. I think it took him years to save for that. Like, yeah, so I thought it was really sweet. Um, so he used to listen to this radio show mm. called The Opry. Um, I think, have you oh, heard of that? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. still going, isn't the it? Opry. Basically, there's, there's a venue and it's like basically, so for um, country artists... Mm-hmm. That is that is the goal yeah. is to go and yeah. play play there. Exactly. And Dolly played her fiftieth anniversary show there, which was which was pretty cool. Well, yeah, because it, it's still going, and it's um it's a weekly American country music like stage concert, isn't it? Yeah, um in Nashville, and it was founded in like nineteen twenty five. So it, I think from what I read, I think it's the longest running radio broadcast like in US history. Like it's a really big deal. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's dedicated to honouring country music um, and they just like showcase a mix of talent. So Mm. this was really influential to him from a young age. And, but, and I guess that's all he had really in terms of access to listening to music. That was it. 
So, yeah, so at first he wanted to be a baseball player. Um, do you know a name Jackie Robinson? No. So he was like the first African-American player in the major league. Okay. And Charlie was around 13 at this point, so it was just before he bought his guitar. Um, and in an interview I watched with him earlier, he said how he remembers hearing about this guy who'd made it into the major league. Um, obviously, first African-American player, so it was a yeah. huge deal. And he apparently turned to his dad while they were in the field and said, like, baseball is my only way out. And it like, it really, he really inspired him to like get out of his situation, basically, which shows like how important like representation is, doesn't yeah, it? No. Um, so yeah, and he did do really well. He, um, he got to a semi-professional level. He signed to the Memphis Red Sox and they were, um, I think they were a Negro Amer- American league. So like even baseball was segregated. So, you know, for an African-American, yeah. he did like really, really well. Um, then he met in 1956, he met his wife, who, who was a lifelong baseball fan. Um, and then they married just as he was drafted into the army, which obviously disrupted his baseball career. Mm. Um, but he was discharged after two years. So, it, so yeah, he didn't spend very long in the army. So it was after the army where he really started to try and um, start his music career. Mm-hmm. So he approached Sun Studios. Does that ring a bell? No, it doesn't. I mean, I want to say that it does, but I th- I think I'm just it because it sounds like quite a familiar name. The song, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it well, sounds like a studio. Yeah, you should know, that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the. I think he literally knocked on the door and was like, "I'm a singer and I want you to record me," which was pretty ballsy for anyone, let alone yeah. an African American guy who wanted to be a country singer, which is like you know notoriously like white. Um, so it's the same studio where Elvis Presley was discovered. That's no where I thought, really? yeah, I thought that might be why yeah. you may have heard of it. But And the studio did like him and they did make a recording of him, but they didn't release it. So I don't know what happened to that. I don't know mm. whether it got released later or what. But So in terms of music, that was it for a while. So he continued with baseball, playing in like minor and Negro leagues. And then in 1960, he moved to Helena, Montana, to play in a semi-professional team that guaranteed players employment in a lead, at lead, led, lead. <laughs> in, a in led, a leading role of a player. Yeah, in a lead smelter, which I'm not 100% sure what that is. It's something to do with extracting lead. Sounds that, dangerous. That's, as I say, that doesn't and, sound like a good thing. No, but it was really good for him because he needed to make ends meet, so it was well paid. He could still play semi-pro baseball, and he was actually commissioned to sing for 15 minutes before each game. So this is where he started to perform, like he's probably, to a bigger probably audience. Pushing it, isn't he? He's in like when I say pushing it, just doesn't like he's not giving up, is he? No, he's he really, just really passionate. Mm-hmm. And how about both baseball yeah. and music? Like he just went with it. Um. So he yeah he'd sing for fifteen minutes before each game, and he also used to work in local bars. So that worth well, it is unbelievable, isn't it? That's a proper slug in it, isn't it? Yeah. To get somewhere, that's proper dedication for you because he must have just had so many barriers put up for yeah. anything that he was yeah, trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, I mean, even even footballers in, in the UK today have racist shit yelled at them on the pitch. And I, you can only imagine how bad it must have been back then yeah. in the US, you know? Yeah, he did. He did amazingly well. He broke down so many barriers. It's it's brilliant. So 
it or the work it paid off the hard work because yeah. so one of the landladies one night heard him sing thought he was amazing and got him a gig at a nightclub and then from then on he just kept getting bigger and bigger gigs mm-hmm. um he did the circuit you know really really worked hard to get to where to where he eventually got um and then one night in it's now it's like 1962 so when was he born like when did I say he was born 34 so yeah, he's getting on a bit now. This is quite sort of late in the late in the game, isn't it? Yeah. So singer songwriter Red Savine. Is that how you say that? No idea. He caught, you're telling me all these things. He's a big I'm deal. Going, I, I, he's a big deal. Apparently, okay. yeah. <laughs> you there, want... was, there was someone I read, I read for Dolly Parton's story. I was like, who the hell's that? And Sorry. then I googled them. I was like, oh my god, so they were like a massive deal. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. There's it's loads just, of names that yeah. come up here that I just think, yeah, we should know. Um, so he caught one of his performances and asked, advised him to go to Nashville because he thought he was brilliant and then he did and they loved him so cowboy jack clement who is credited with launching a number of careers including johnny cash produced charlie pride's first record um he quickly got a manager and then it wasn't long before he signed to rca victor which so he's 31 at this point and i'm pretty sure Elvis presley was signed to them rca i mean they were pretty massive they were huge weren't they yeah so I think take that over here was signed to RCA actually. Were they? Yeah, I'm sure they were. Yeah. So yeah, he signs to them. Um, but obviously the fact that he's African American gets in the way because um the, the label had some concerns about marketing him. So when they sent out his first singles to radio stations, they didn't mm. send any publicity photos. So everyone was oh. playing his music and everyone loved it, but no one knew that he was black. Crikey. So his his debut single didn't chart, but the his album reached the top twenty, and then his third single called "Just Between You and Me." That's when that's when things really started to take off. So that began a run of seven top ten country radio hits. And then by that point, did they know he was? Yeah, people started right. to. So his first big show, which was around this time, was in mm. Detroit, and he had three singles out, but people still didn't really know that he was black. And apparently his name was announced and he and there was this huge applause because like everyone loved his music. Mm. And then he stepped out and it just went silent. Oh my god. Because no one knew. Can you imagine? I know. It's it's horrendous. And then he, he's like, the way that he dealt with it was just mm. amazing. So he apparently he said something along the lines of, I realise I've got that permanent tan. He used to refer to the colour of his skin as permanent oh. tan. And he's like, but my name's Charlie Pride. I'm from Mississippi. My daddy was a farmer down there and I sing country music and I'm going to entertain you if you let me. And then oh. they all started like clapping and everyone loved it. That's just so, but I mean, God, it's like going on stage and yeah. apologising. Yeah, for who you are. For, so that's yeah. just horrendous. And they loved him. Like they loved his music. Yeah. It was only when they saw the colour of his skin. Yeah. That they just Which yeah. just it's yeah. So he he actually I don't know if he plays down um I don't know if he plays it down, but in most like interviews that I've seen with him, he says that he wasn't really catcalled or anything during his entire career. But then apparently in his autobiography he does go into a bit more detail and talks about the fact that the race element was of course there. Like he had trouble securing bookings, um and things like that and I think he used to kind of 
I don't know. I think he used to want to make people feel at ease. Like mm. he'd try and ease the tension a little bit. Yeah. The way he dealt with it was like... But you'd like to think that people who are going to his show, although you do get complete dickheads who show yeah. up things just to be arseholes, but mm. you'd like to think that people going to his show are actually fans of his, yeah. so they wouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, so you'd be a bit, bit protected. Yeah. And I suppose the fact that, you know, they didn't know until he was established yeah that he was black yeah um but i wonder how the story would played out if those press shots had gone exactly out yeah um, I, I thought that yeah yeah so he yeah so he um from this point things really took off so in 1967 he performed at the opry which i thought was really nice considering it was the yeah. radio station that he used to listen to as a kid um and then things around 1968, things that's when Martin Luther King was assassinated, and he was scheduled to perform. Uh, I can't remember where, but it was a bit. It was a big show, and he was contemplating what to do because he didn't obviously he didn't know if he wanted to go out publicly after that. I mean, yeah. as an African American, you'd be terrified, wouldn't you, well, showing your face yeah. publicly? But he he did it, and um, he said it was like a bit awkward, and you could you could feel it in the room that mm. like you know. This this horrible thing had happened, but yeah, I mean that must have been really scary. And he went out and did it anyway. Um, and then in 1969, he finally reached number one in the country chart with the song "All I Have to Offer You Is Me." Um, so at this point, like his career has like really taken off, and he was actually hospitalised around this time because he was experiencing bouts of paranoia and confusion, and he thought he was overworking. Um, but he was actually diagnosed with bipolar. So this oh, poor guy, God. like everything was working yeah. against him essentially in life mm. and he overcome all of it. Um, he really struggled to accept it, um, but then had two really bad manic episodes and realised that he needed to take his medication. Um, I think he suffered quite a lot of trauma as a child as well because he talks about when he was a kid, two white men kidna- kidnapped his little brother. Um, nice. Yeah. That's... They brought him back. And, Jesus, and like, that's he was, really... I'm blaspheming every other word. Christ, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! No, but how awful and traumatic and just, yeah. So they brought him back and apparently he was like unharmed. But I mean, you'd still that's, be going out of your mind, well, yeah. wouldn't you? I mean, that's awful. What happened to... Well, I suppose nothing happened to them. The guys no, I wouldn't have thought yeah. so. Um, yeah, so he, over the next... So after the hospitalisation and he stabilised on his medication, he his career sort of, yeah, was back to back to where it was. So over the next four years, he had 13 number one country hits. His biggest song is Kiss an Angel Good Morning. And this is when he starts getting played on pop radio. Mm. So he was you know yeah. exposed to a whole new audience. Um, that same year, he won the Country Music Association's Award entertainer of the year and top male vocalist which he won again in 1972 he also won a grammy in 1972 for best male country vocal performance and at this point he was selling more records than any other rca artist since elvis so we're basically he's second yeah to only elvis presley this, in terms of record sales this is a thing it's like in the uk we don't have I mean, I know there are lots of different charts now, but in the UK, you know, we only have one chart, really, which is like a pop chart and it can have different genres in. So, you know, in America, it's like, you know, you can have the country chart Mm -hmm. where you can be absolutely colossal on that. 
but we would never have heard of you because we don't really get country over here that is very kind of tailored to what they uh, what's what's popular now so now we're listening to this and now this is the chart you know it's Yeah. yeah we miss out I think a lot by having such a yeah, narrow, narrow yeah. Yeah. industry here, really. Yeah, but it's mad. Like second to Elvis. Yeah. I mean, that, he's he's huge, and I've not even heard of no. him. Um, so later on in '85, he was dropped from the label because I think they were going more down like the youth pop country shit. <laughs> 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 Just say as it is. And um, yeah, so and then he moved to the business side of things, and he started a publishing company. So he's just like this. This is where I know his name through publishing because he's featured on documentaries, talking from obviously not just like sitting there staring yeah. into space when you're on a documentary you tend to talk right yeah. but um, yes okay so that's where i know maybe. the name maybe but um yeah no i'll have to have to give him a listen yeah he's, he's great so he had a 50-year career he literally sold tens of millions of records worldwide 30 number one hits in the u.s country charts he recorded 497 songs He was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame in 2000. He won a Lifetime Achievement Grammy in 2017. He won three Grammys altogether. Um, He performed at the White House for Barack Obama. In 2020, he was honoured by the Country Music Association with the Willie Nelson Lifetime Achievement Award. Mm -hmm. There's a Charlie Pride star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, He became a member of the Opry in 1993. I think he was the second African-American on the show's cast. So he's just, all the honours and awards are just unbelievable. Like, it doesn't really get, you know, much better than that, does it? No. Um, And then, very sadly, he died in 2020. Can you guess how he died? Please don't say COVID. He died of COVID. Oh, fucking hell. How awful. So it was complications from COVID. He played a gig on November the 11th. 2020 um i think it was a country music association yeah. awards and some organizers of the event said that some people weren't wearing masks in the attendance i mean yeah. who knows where he got it from yeah. he could have been anywhere but and then afterwards he did test negative twice for covid but he then was sh- shortly afterwards was hospitalized with double pneumonia and mm. they they just they well they determined that it was covid in the end i mean who knows? Mm. <laughs> Only tested negative twice, so God knows. But yeah, died of complications from COVID. That's horrible. But yes, so really sad ending. A really sad <laughs> was... ending. Sorry about that. Well, Dolly's still kicking around, so that's, that's good. good. That's yeah, good. That was African American hero and trailblazer Charlie Price. That's fantastic. That was really good. Like, honestly, I'm going to listen to his stuff because I never knew. Like the name yeah. rings a bell. Like I said, I think it's from the music business side yeah. of things. But, um, but yeah, no, I never knew any of that. That's just dead impressive, isn't it? Yeah. Charlie Pride. Yeah. We should all go and have a listen. And, yeah, uh, yeah again, links in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might do a little bit of housekeeping now, actually, while it's on my mind. If you have a story or some new music that you want us to play, please do email us at rockpoprambles at gmail.com. And we are also on Patreon. Um, if you like the show and if you like our music and want to support us, you can come and join us on Patreon. We've got discounts on merchandise, early bird gig tickets. Um, we're also going to be doing a Patreon-only podcast show that will go out on there soon. And also, if you join at certain levels, you even get free stuff sent to you. Free so stuff. It's, uh, you can't argue with that, yeah, can no, you? Yeah, you can't argue with that. We've got loads of free music on there at the moment as well. 
So come and join us there with all the cool kids. So should we have some new music, Gracie? Yes, cool, cool, cool. I'm going to play a track by Maya Lakani, and this one is called Walk Alone. It's not just after dark. It's not just after dark. Cologne, which came out um, on the 23rd of April, and it's actually self-produced. 
And I think it sounds incredible. Yeah. Production quality on that is huge. Um, and the song's about the sort of recent conversations about women's safety, the whole kind of desire to basically just be able to be a woman and be able to walk along the streets on your own, alone, without having any sort of fear of being was a victim. It, was it inspired by the Sarah Everard? Yeah, yeah. So all the stuff yeah. that's that's been sort of going down about that. And I think, was it with Paula? We, we talked about that the other day, about, you know, all, all of the stuff that's been going down recently. It seems to have sort of quietened down, as in in the news. Yeah, but well, on social not, media, it's kind of yeah. quietened down a bit, hasn't it? But, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, the conversation's still an important one and one we kind of still need to to keep out there really yeah. and you know like I was saying to Paula is in Boris Johnson saying oh we're just going to put some some more CCTV up on plain clothes police officers is not good enough really because it's like I you know yes I do want you to catch people if they do those crimes but I want you to do more about stopping those crimes well it's happening pre- in the first prevention place. is what we need isn't which, it which it's- is not putting I mean you know that guy was caught on CCTV on on like camera from a bus. It's, it's, it's massively just, a systemic it's, issue. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's just crazy. Anyway, but um, Maya Carney is a British Indian rock artist who lives in Surrey, so pretty much Ooh, almost a neighbour. Yes, Croydon. Right is door. it London? Is it Surrey? Wow, it's got its which, own pride. Which is it? So yeah. probably. Yeah. Not. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So bit of PJ Harvey in that. I detected. Yes. When I say a bit of it, I don't mean that she's taken one of her songs, just no. that sort of tone. Inspired by. Yeah, really, really cool and fantastic vocals and just Good. such, such talent. And I've been on the lookout for um, artists I really, really like and respect um, for, for Crow Crow Land oh, yes. festivals. This is definitely one for the the, the list of artists that we're going to consider. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so also if you're in a band and you want to apply to play Cray Cray yes. Land, just do it at rockpopramples at gmail.com. I can't be bothered to give you another email address. <laughs> just email me, find me on social media. But um, but yeah, so so a fantastic record and uh, yeah, discovered as say through Loud Women group. So uh, I found a few through, through them. Yeah, the podcast. really, really great, really great, really great. So I guess on with the show. Yeah. After I've had a sip of wine. Yeah, get your wine down, you go on. You can do that now. Well, I I was doing that anyway on my own. I'm not going to need to drop you back tonight either, because you're already here. That's good, isn't it? Who's going to drop you home, Grace? (laughs) Cab Uber. Right, so I'm going to talk about Dolly Parton. Who? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Um, And I looked at a number of different articles... um, for research for Dolly Parton, also watched a documentary that's on next ne- next next flick, which is a ripoff version of Netflix. Uh, no, it was Netflix. It was called um, Here I Am. So if you haven't seen that, it's quite it's quite good, yeah. really nice. Kylie Minogue's on it as well, oh, having yeah. a little chat about Dolly, um, as well as a number of other people who I can't remember now. But uh, yeah, so a lot of research done. Yes, very good. Way too many notes, yeah. and then decided that I'm going to focus on just some of her songs yeah. rather than talk about her whole career. But I do want to do a little bit of the back yeah, story of Dolly because I think it's actually incredibly interesting and inspiring and I didn't really know any of any of this stuff. It's a real sort of rags to riches yeah. story of a woman that was just absolutely determined to be successful mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of not made a sort of parody of herself but sort of played up 
to certain yeah. stereotypes when, in essence, what she was saying was something really quite different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, Dolly Parton, as you must know, is an American singer-songwriter known primarily for her work in country music. Mm. But did you know she's also a multi-instrumentalist? Is she? An actress, an author. She's got her own cookbook out. Right? Is she? Yeah. A businesswoman and a humanitarian. Oh, she does a lot. She ticks all the boxes, doesn't she? She does a lot, yeah. And she was born Dolly Rebecca Parton on the 19th of January 1946. So Dolly Parton is her actual name and not just a stage name. It sounds like a stage name, doesn't it? It does. Totally sounds like she made it up, but her mum did. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But she was born in a one-room cabin on the banks of Little Pigeon River, I like that name. Little Pigeon River. Yeah. In Pittman Centre in Tennessee. And she was the fourth eldest of 12 siblings. 12? 12, yeah. So she says that her family, like she says in interviews, we were dirt poor and they didn't have any money. Apparently when she was born, the only way they could pay the doctor was with a bag of cornmeal. It's just, it's a different world, isn't it? Although I'm sure that still happens in the world, to be honest. But um, but yeah, back to those 12 siblings. Um, So... Her mum actually had all 12 by the time she was 35. Fucking hell. Can you imagine having 12 kids? I can't imagine having one. Well, I've got one. And I like how, how would you ever get out the door to do anything? Like, parents know my pain with this. 12. I mean, even before I had a child, I couldn't get out the door on time. So how would you do anything? That's nuts, isn't it? 12 kids. 12. Just, yeah. Anyway, you just leave them to it, wouldn't you? What's that film yeah. about 12 kids? Something doesn't. What? There's that film about that family. <laughs> All I could think kids. about when you said that was Who Will Love My Children, which if you've not seen <laughs> it, it's, it's a real tearjerker, Grace. It's who? about no, this don't. woman I can't, I can't. dying of cancer, no, based on true story, has to find homes well, for her 12 kids. Why would I watch that? Why <laughs> on earth would I watch that? It's sad. If you like sad, I don't like, well, yeah, if you want to cry, watch that. All right. It's, it's really, really Thanks. sad. Anyway. <laughs> Um, Parton's mum, Avi Lee, was a bit of an inspiration to her and she credits her mother for her sort of musical abilities and her dad's um, business savvy, really. Um, her mum was often in poor health when she was growing up and still managed to look after everyone, keep house, entertain the kids with Smoky Mountain folklore and ancient ballads, which would go on to really influence the way in which um, Dolly Parton writes yeah. her songs. Like she's a storyteller. Mm-hmm. It's it's like every every song is almost like a film. It plays out like a whole narrative. Yeah. Even though some of the songs are only three minutes long, it's like a whole story has played yeah. out um, in them. So really impressive. Her fondest memory as a child were of Locust Ridge, which was a farm that they sort of moved to, surrounded by woodland, and it's the inspiration behind the song "My Tennessee Mountain Home." which is a really sweet song if you listen to it, even more touching when you know, obviously, that it's based yeah. on where she sort of spent her fondest memories as, as a child. Um, and we know she really loved the place as years after her parents sold it, she bought it back with her brother Bobby oh, and restored nice. it, but she wanted everything to look exactly how Aww. it did when she was growing up. Um, and it said she spent like a couple of million doing this renovation work. To make it look like a fifty dollar shack. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, that's cute. That and is. In an I like interview, that. she said um, the reason why she did it is everyone needs to be sort of like close to nature and be able to just like 
piss outside their front door or something like that. You've got a lover of new. That's not her exact words. She's a bit more eloquent yeah, than yeah. that. But um, <laughs> So how did it begin in music for Dolly Parton? Well, she was playing a homemade guitar at the age of seven. By the ripe old age of 10, she was appearing on TV shows such as Cass Walker Show and WBIR TV in Knoxville. Pushing on a bit now, she's 13, and she records her first single, Puppy Love, on a small Louisiana label called Gold Band Records. And after graduating from high school, she moved the very next day to Nashville and began her career as a, as a songwriter. And a really successful songwriter. It was also the first day she arrived in Nashville was when she met her husband in the Americans call it laundromat. We just call it laundrette over here. Um, And they're still together today. So over 50 years of of marriage, yeah. But um, So she had a writing partner back then called Bill Owens. And they managed to write like several charting singles during this time. She was incredibly young. Then she kind of got pitched in as being an artist herself. She did want to be an artist, even though even today she still puts herself as, you know, I'm a songwriter first and foremost and a performer second to that. Um, And the label, first of all, wanted to picture as a bubblegum pop artist. She's 19 at this point, which was a bit like, "Mm, no, I'd kind of like sing bluegrass country songs or something, you know. Um, But they were like, no, no, no. You're going to be a pop artist. And it really didn't work out. And so after that, they were like, okay, all right, we'll try it your way. And so they agreed for her to be a country artist. And her career really started to take off around 1967. Um, and she always displayed kind of business smarts from the word, mm-hmm. the word go. Yeah. Um, you know, she, she wanted to be, as, as she once put it, she wanted to be what her mum called a tramp. Basically, she yeah. wanted to dress in like short skirts, have yeah. this big peroxide hair, but she also wanted to prove the point that blondes aren't dumb, and that was like mm-hmm. her first one of her first singles. Yeah, which is actually really, if you look, li- read the lyrics to that, it's really quite quite clever. But she was really quite sharp, as I said, and since early in her career, she has always protected the publishing rights of her catalogue, where a lot of artists, even the Beatles, didn't. Yeah, um, in the sixties, you know. Um, and she's earned millions over the years through through always protecting her her work, basically. Yeah. Um, and that brings me to the first song I want to talk about, actually, which is I Will Always Love You. Aww. Obvious choice, but it's such a great song. Yeah. How could I not talk about it? Um, you know, I think everyone thinks it's a fantastic yeah. song. Yeah, I don't know anyone who really. doesn't like that song. No, exactly. Um, Elvis certainly thought so. Uh, he got his manager, Tom Parker, to approach Dolly Parton, expressing an interest in the song that he wanted to cover it. But as part of the deal, um, she would have to surrender half of the publishing rights. Half. Half. Mm. Um, now, remember, her career's kind of taken off. Yeah. But she's not like, she's not Elvis. No. At this stage. She's not, she's not the Dolly Parton she would go on to be. She's still trying to build up to that. Mm-hmm. But she still said no. Him and she was a bit heartbroken about it because she wanted him yeah, to sing yeah. her song. Yeah, of course she was. She's like, no way am I going to give over yeah. half of you know. No, she said. She told him to jog on. Is that what she said? Yeah, she said, jog on, jog mate. on, mate. Jog on, mate. You ain't having that. Uh, anyway, so everyone thought she was absolutely crazy. Yeah, for not doing that. Mm-hmm. But obviously she wasn't because you know, fast forward to 1992, Whitney Houston covered the song. 
as part of the soundtrack for the film Bodyguard. It was a huge hit. It was number one in the UK for like 100 yeah. years. Um, <laughs> well, it, no, it was more like 10 weeks. But um, but it, it and this was globally, it was it was Yeah, it was huge, wasn't it? It was huge. It was the, the biggest selling single of all time at that point, which, um, you know, obviously paid off for Dolly Parton. Um, so it was good that she held on to the rights. But some interesting things about the song. I Will Always Love You, although lyrically sounds like a ro- the end of a romantic relationship, it's actually about the end of a professional one. Oh, Dolly right, Parton. okay. So back in 1967, Dolly Parton joined the Portner Wagner show and the pair became a popular vocal duo. And this was the guy that I mentioned, Zinn. He, he was like a big deal in country music and I'd never heard of him, but he had like 81 charting singles and was just like incredibly yeah. successful. He was in the country country music hall of fame and yeah. all of that but i'd never heard of him but anyway had this tv show and he asked dolly parton to be part of it and she agreed initially to be on the show for like the first sort of five years mm-hmm. that was her uh, agreement she actually stayed for seven yeah and uh it was around this time she felt she'd hit a roadblock for a relationship with porter and she was ready to to make it on her own unfortunately um, Porter wasn't ready to see her go and he was sort of like quite annoyed about the situation. But I mean, if you watch clips of that show, even though clearly, you know, he's a big star, but she is the one that's elevating it. Right? Yeah. She's this big star. The way he talks to her is in, here's a lovely little girl with her little guitar. Oh, yeah, I can it's imagine. Like, fucking guitar's a normal size guitar. What are you talking about? Yeah, like, it's just, ridiculous, isn't it? You know, and it's just really, really patronising. Anyway, there was a lot of grief and heartache, um, is what she says. Um, I'll actually read out her words, which was in an interview. There was a lot of grief and heartache there, and he just wasn't listening to my reasoning for going. This is what she told CMT back in 2011. I thought, well, why don't you do what you do best? Why don't you just write this song? So I went home, and out of a very emotional place in me at that time, I wrote the song, I Will Always Love You. So it's like, you know, yeah. you know, I really respect the opportunity that you gave me yeah. and, and all of that. And this is this is just, you know, it's time for me to leave. And that's actually what the song's about. Yeah. But, you know, we, we don't see it as that. So it was number one when she released it in the Billboard Hot Country Song Charts. And it was it was number one twice, actually. Oh. Um, so the first was in um, 1974 when she released it. The second time was in 1982 when she recorded it for the trans the soundtrack for the film The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Then, of course, as mentioned, the Whitney Houston cover. And, in fact, it's the best-selling single by a woman in music history. I think I knew that, actually. Yeah. It is the yeah. most successful that makes song sense. I mean, of all time. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. So, with that, right, Given Dolly's success, how much do you think she's estimated to be worth? Now, not just her music, oh, like she's got loads of stuff going on. How much do you think oh, she's estimated as being worth? Hundreds of millions? <laughs> I don't know. 500 million. Yeah. That's... I reckon it's probably more than that, yeah, to probably. be honest. But, uh, and how many instruments do you think she can play? Um, 12. 20. 20? 20 instruments, right? The pan flute, I'm not going to read the Yeah, that. but when she... Pan she's, flute, fiddle. When you say play. Oh, no, she can She can play them. She yeah, can play fair them. enough. Banjo, piano, guitar. I remember seeing, and you can see this online, um, 
Dolly Parton play at Glastonbury back in 2014. Yeah. And literally every single song, she's got a different instrument. Yeah. So she even pulled out the saxophone, which I just, you know, choked on. on, on. Yeah. I mean, that's not one you just whip out and no. have a go at, is it's it? Like, oh, you... here's, a, here's, I'm going to play, you know, and she's playing the saxophone. It's like, yeah. are you joking? Can um, she play two keyboards at the same time? Or just two keys? Dolly two keys. <laughs> I'm sure she could. I yeah. think she could pretty much do anything. It's fucking brilliant. I tell you, if you ever get the chance, see yeah. play, no, do it. And so how many songs do you think Dolly Parton has written? Written? Yeah. Um, 400. Over 3,000 oh, songs. Oh, yeah, apparently. that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't name them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to try. But apparently over 3,000 songs. That's, yeah, that's ridiculous, isn't yeah. it? I bet there's some shit in there. <laughs> oh, I mean, probably. Right. Yeah. No, everything's legendary that she's written. Yeah, but, she's um, yeah. I mean, she she says that, you know, the best time for her to write is when she's on tour because there's nothing else to do. Yeah. So she's writing songs all the time. Yeah, that's, but, that's, uh, that's so prolific, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that's... It's crazy. She's brilliant. But on to the next song. I've only got a few little bits to say about this. Go on. Um, so do you know the song Just Because I'm a Woman? No. I think it was like it was her second single that she ever released. Yeah, and again, so her first one was was about was done blonde, mm-hmm. and this one is just because I'm I'm a woman, and it's a song that speaks out about gender inequality, really, and like double standards. In this song, she demands equal treatment, making it clear that she shouldn't be judged more harshly simply because of her gender. Um, and this being this sort of American South in 1968. It was a bit of a bold statement to make. But the song was sort of like an early indication of Dolly Parton's sort of, I suppose you say, unique talents of how she can deliver such kind of strong messaging within a song that doesn't seem to offend people Mm. and spark like, when I say spark controversy, it's, it's... you know, she delivers it with such class and style yeah. that, you know, some people just listen to her. It's like double sometimes. I, I don't hidden. know. Yeah, it's In kind of, I suppose it's a case of how she could, both, she could be both a sort of paragon of traditional values, is what I'm trying to say, um, and also champion women's rights at the same time. Mm, Does that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. She considers this to be one of the songs that's sort of the most defining of her career, actually. And the song, um, so in the third verse, it sort of says, now a man will take a good girl and he'll ruin her reputation, but when he wants to marry, well, that's a different situation. Um, And this stems from a real-life dispute with her own husband, Carl, um, whom she sort of married in 1966. And she says, when I first married Carl... And I, sorry, I, I'm, sorry. When I was first married, Carl and I were very happy, she told Mojo. Then eight months in, he suddenly asked me whether I'd been with anyone else before we got together. I told him I had, and he was so upset, he had a hard time getting over it. That's why I wrote it. My mistakes are no worse than yours, just because I'm a woman. Carl hates for me to tell that story, but I say to him, I've got to tell the truth, don't I? So, you know, as much as a lot of her songs yeah. are, like, kind of um, fictional, yeah. there are some of her songs that are actually based on, on actual things yeah. that have happened to her. And this being one of them, and I think that that is quite a, a, a very honest and frank thing to sort of, you know, 
well, why is it okay for you to have sex with other people, but for, for me not to have? Like, double yeah, standards. Yeah, and to like, talk about that specific issue to her marriage as well. Yeah. That's... So this, this song comes from Dolly Parton's second album of the same name, which also contains the song The Bridge, which is pretty distinctive because of its subject matter and rather abrupt ending. Uh, details of the story of a woman who falls in love with a man and becomes pregnant with his child. He he basically abandons her and then she's back on the bridge and she's kind of, you know, thinking through all of this and how, how she got to where she was and then basically commits suicide. Oh, that's horrible. I know, but, like, this is, it, but this is back in the 60s and this yeah. is Dolly Parton. Yeah. You know, um, you just, yeah. you know, it's... Uh, she she kind of does talk about quite like disturbing a lot of the stuff that she actually seems yeah. about is really quite sad. It's not sort of standard subject matter for you know pop well, songs. No, well I mean countries. There's a lot of like yeah, broken heart, yeah, and yeah, lonely, sick, but that's like whiskey. But this is a kind of yeah. really like wow. Um, again, uh, just because I'm a woman was was not a big hit. Um, its highest position was number 17, I think, and it's believed that radio stations withheld airplay given the nature of the song, um, so it was seen as just being too political. Not only the song of hers that... Sorry, this was not the only song of hers that they did this to, actually. In her 1972 song, um, Touch Your Woman, um, that was deemed too sexually explicit and was cut from a number of radio station playlists. Too sexually now, explicit. I read through the lyrics. I'm like, I don't know where you're getting it. The only bit, there's there's just one verse yeah. that's a little saucy. Go on. Right? But but when you listen to other songs at the time. Yeah. Mm, yeah, but a woman singing this, you know, they can't go with it. So it says, when the busy day is done, you lay by my side. You know exactly what it takes to keep me satisfied. You know exactly what I need and I always go to sleep in peace. Thanking God that you belong to me. Gosh, that's, 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 that's terrible. That's it's going to corrupt all the children. <laughs> okay, on to song number three, Nine to Five. Oh, I think we all knew this would be on the list. Yeah, so this was wrote for the 1980 film of the same name. Uh, the film which was um, Parton's acting debut. Actually, so this nice. was her first film that she acted in. It was starring Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, uh, Dolly Parton and um, Dabney Coleman and dealt with life in an American office where the workday was, as you guessed it, nine to five. Yeah. Sexist boss. Not oh. just sexist, a bit rapey, actually, oh, if you if you watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah, he launches himself at Dolly Parton and she properly... Like puts him back in his place, but yeah, it's sexual harassment in worse sort of kind. And um, she wrote the song while on the set filming the movie, and she actually only agreed to be in the film if she could write the songs, kind of yeah. accompanying That's the cool. song, the film's accompanying song, That's basically. Cool. Um, so, in a 2019 interview, sixty minutes, Dolly Parton talked about the unlikely inspiration for this song: her fingernails. She had very long acrylic nails and discovered that when she rubbed them together, she could create a rhythm that sounded like a typewriter. <laughs> she demonstrates this in that documentary I was talking about, right? And since the movie was about secretaries, she was able to use the sound to compose a song on the set. She even played her fingernails as part of the percussion sound when she recorded she the track. She sampled her fingernails. You can hear it. 
Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. We, I've got, we've got no excuse so, for not finding inspiration, have we? I no. Mean, so she she literally played her that's, fingernails that's really, really and cool. came up with the the lyrics for the song. That's so good. Well, on, on the set. Um, so both the film and the song, as I say, sort of exposed gender inequality in the workplace. Both were delivered with humour at their core, really. Um, film was a comedy. Um, her song, you know, I think everyone relates to that nine to five mm-hmm. song um, in some way. And it, and it was done in that way to sort of reach a mass audience. But regardless of like the humour and the, that sort of thing that I'm talking about, it actually carried a really strong message. Um, and I think it was the second biggest grossing film of the year, that yeah. one. So it was incredibly popular. It's also, uh, I suppose, it could be read as a critique of capitalism as well, couldn't it? Yeah. Indeed it could. Yes. Indeed it could, Gracie it could Tiki's. Indeed. So the song was a big crossover single into the world of pop, Dolly Parton. Also won the 1981 Grammys for Best Country Song, Best Country Vocal Performance by a female. It also received a Grammy nomination for Best Album of Original Score Written for a motion picture or television special. It's a long time, isn't it? And received an Oscar and Global uh, Golden Globe uh, nominations. Um, last song. Yes. Which uh, is short. I'm not going to go through all of these notes, Grace. No, I'm you carry on. I'm enjoying Flicking yourself. through them going, shit, she's I'm got getting, 20 more pages. I'm really drunk, so... <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think the last song is I'm going to talk about? I don't know. I've got no idea. You said the only two. Jolene. Jolene. Oh, of course it's Jolene. 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 I forgot about Jolene. How could you forget that uh, one? Yeah, I, what a knob. But... <laughs> But the best way to start talking about this song is in Dolly Parton's words herself because she explains it beautifully and I copy and pasted this bit so I might as well just read it (laughs) rather than making it up myself. One night I was on stage and there was this beautiful little girl. She was probably eight years old at the time, Dolly says, and she had this beautiful red hair, this beautiful skin, these beautiful green eyes and she was looking up at me holding, you know, so holding? It says holding, you know, for an autograph. Okay. I said, well, you're the prettiest little thing I ever saw. So what's your name? And she said, Jolene. And I said, Jolene, 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 Jolene. Aww. She just comes up with this stuff on the spot. That is pretty. That sounds like a song. I'm going to write a song about that. Aww. And she did. Um, she totally did. But there's also another redhead in her life um, that features in a song that was inspiration. And it was a bank teller who was giving um, Dolly Parton's new husband a little more interest than Dolly would quite quite mm. like. I'm not talking about the financial interest no, sense either. She, she says, she got a terrible crush on my husband <laughs> and he just loved going to the bank because she paid him so much attention. <laughs> it was kind of like a running joke between us. When I was saying, hell, you're spending a lot of time at the bank. I don't believe we've got that kind of money. <laughs> so it's really an innocent song all round, but sounds like a dreadful one. Yeah. But, um, it's but a great yeah, song. It's though. a great, it's, great I, in song. In fact, I think that's the, my favourite one, actually, such, thinking about it. Such a good because. song. And that, that was in 1973, and it became one of her first hit singles, actually. Um, the song only has 200 words. And a lot of those words are repeated. I don't know what an average amount of words for a song is. <laughs> That's actually a fair point. I looked at this and I was like, I'll put that fact in. Is that, is that a lot? Is that not a lot? What am I saying here? I think what they're trying to say is that, you know, the simplicity of yeah, it. Yeah, so it says that like, sort of simplicity 
of the song, yeah. but it tells quite a detailed yeah. story in not very many words, really. I suppose 200 words is not... I mean, you're writing a PhD paper, so... Yes, 200 thanks words, for reminding is me. Is that 200 words a lot, Grace, or...? No, no not really. No, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah. Um, some more interesting facts about this song in recent times. Yep. Relates to COVID-19. Yeah. When um, Dolly Parton got her coronavirus vaccine on the 2nd of March in 2021. Is she vaccinated? She's vaccinated. Everyone can relax. She adapted Jolene into a pro-vaccine song. Vaccine. 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 (laughs) I'm begging of you, please don't hesitate. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Because once you're dead, then it's a bit too late. I love her. I love her. I love her so much. But it wasn't just the song, right? She helped fund vaccine research with a $1 million oh, uh, donation. I think that. I'm in love with Dolly Parton. Well, it gets better. It gets better. She posted like, videos on her, on her channels. Um, she was saying things like, I want to say to all you cowards out there, don't be such a chicken. Um, get out there and get your shot. Yeah. So she was really kind of out there. Um, and still is promoting the fact of just for God's sake, just go and get vaccinated. Because yeah. um, I said, because once you're dead, it's a bit too late, isn't it? Then, um, so just a few other little cool facts yeah. about her because I just think she's brilliant. Yes, please. Um, she owns her own um, theme park. Oh, not like Michael Jackson's. It was like just for not him. Not in a weird way. Not in a weird way. She created Dolly World. Dolly World. So it's got all the things you'd expect. From a popular tourist attraction. It's got roller coasters, a water park. Where is this theme park? This is in Tennessee. It's got um, entertainment complexes. Oh. They have festivals there, a Christmas she market. How much is she worth? 500 million? She's worth more than that. She, she has to be. Um, I mean, I'm definitely going to go to that place. Yeah. It, it, looks, it yeah. looks cool. Um, and apparently it's one of the biggest attractions in, in Tennessee. But to be honest, I don't really know... What else is there? Tennessee whiskey tour. Yeah, whiskey tour. It's got to be popular, isn't it? Yeah. I reckon. Um, did you know that Dolly Parton received death threats from the Ku Klux Klan? Did she? Mm. In the mid-2000s, Dolly would join the ranks of family amusement parks, participating in gay days, a time when families with LGBTQ members are encouraged to celebrate together in a welcoming environment. And so this riled the KKK mm. and, and they, they basically started sending her death threats. But she said she wasn't particularly scared. She still gets threats. But she said, um, but I'm still in business and I don't feel like I have to explain myself. I love everybody. Aww. She's wonderful, isn't she? She is wonderful. She started her own library to promote literacy <laughs> and has given away more than 100 million books. Um, in 1995... She founded the Dolly Parton's Imagination Library with the goal of encouraging literacy in her home state of Tennessee. And over the years, the programme has actually expanded out nationwide and as well as into Canada, UK and Australia. And, uh, yes, in short, she's an absolute legend and probably one of the most loved people in the business. I mean, have you ever heard anyone, I mean, apart from the KKK, say anything bad about Dolly Parton? No, what a wonderfully empathetic, hardworking, but it's not cringy either. Like she's she's really sharp witted. Yeah, can stand up for herself. I don't think she's someone you mess with. No, she's brilliant. She's seventy five. She's been making music since nineteen sixty two. An absolute legend. 
a real legend. She sold more than 100 million records worldwide. Oh She's the one, the only Dolly Parton. Oh, that was brilliant. Uh, I mean, that might be your best one, you know. Do you think? Do you think? Yeah, Dolly I mean, Parton is just, yeah. I, I spent a lot of sold. today editing down notes because I started off, it was just like, oh, I want to talk about this, I want to talk about that. Because there was a bit in her career where she actually stopped selling records. Yeah. Like she'd kind of fallen out of favour and then she went back to doing a sort of bluegrass record. And, yeah. And just just all sorts of things. So she's had ups and downs in, in her career and loads of like, bizarre rumours about her as mm. well like her husband doesn't exist he does he's just not <laughs> in the public eye yeah and a best mate that she's had since she was a kid who's still her best friend now you know secretly they're lesbians and it's like oh for god's sake right um <laughs> what yeah i know and there was some other really bizarre bizarre things which i'm not going to go into but uh yeah i mean i could have done like a three-part yeah, episode on her she's a fucking legend yeah she's brilliant she's brilliant so that was Dolly Parton. Yeah, thanks for educating me. That was great. Well, should we should we um, end off shortly? I suppose. Yeah, I talked. To, I was just going to say, and what are you talking about, Grace? But you've you've done I've one done already. It seems to have flown tonight. It I think has. it's because it's face to face rather on Zoom. Yeah, with like, not all the technical difficulties. Yeah, of Zoom. people freezing and going, "Are you there? Are you there? I have to edit that out." <laughs> Grace, Grace. <laughs> Right, are we going for another Portobello Express? I think I think we should to end. So I just want to say thank you to everyone who is listening. Thank you to our patrons. We do have a special episode coming for you, patrons, very soon. Um, and uh, some other interesting bits and pieces coming up for you. You've also got discounts on some gig tickets that we've posted. Ooh. So, So if you're not a member then, you know, why not join the cool kids mm-hmm. and help support the show? We need your money. We're not rich like Dolly Parton. No. I wonder if Dolly listens. Oh, that would be my dream. Oh, imagine. I don't think she, she'd spend time listening to... She might. She might do. Get a tagger in this. Tag I hope. hope. she got it. Twitter. Yeah, I'm sure she, she has. Stuff. She's probably got someone running it for her. Yeah, though. she... You know, you never know, though. That would make my day if Dolly Parton retweeted. So if anyone knows Dolly, put in a put in a good word for yeah. us over here. Um, news from from Bugeye. Do we have news? We've, we've got a tour that's about to be announced. Yes. Um, I think you've covered everything. You know, the votes are in for what our next single. Should be we asked our patrons to vote. Yeah, are they in? They are in. Got are you gonna. Shall I confirm what it is? Obviously, say it now. The Feral 5 remix. Oh, yes. Very good. Um, Very good choice, everyone. It was really, really close for a few of them. Yeah. Um, And that one, that one won. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be our next single, folks. Remix of Don't Stop by the amazing Feral 5. So watch out for that one on our social channels, which is Twitter at Bug Eye Band and um, Facebook and Instagram, Bug Eye Music. So we're going to end the show with another Portobello Express. I was about to say Portobello Road. Yeah, That's I keep going to say Portobello that. Portobello well. Road, Portobello Road. I don't know what I'm talking about. I, 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 it's a Disney. Sort of. Disney film. From what? Oh, what's it called? Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Oh, do you know what? I've never seen that. It's It's got... Um, I know I know the Angela one you mean. Yeah. In. What? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen the, the, <laughs> the cover of not. the video. Yeah, that sounds so rude. <laughs> <laughs> this is some Port Bello Road but that's not what we're playing no, right now no. we are going to end on which song Port Bello Express I Wanna Break You I Wanna Break You